Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke Burrow. I am the family and ministry coordinator here at CBC Elderton. With me, as always, is our lead pastor, Andrew Hall. This is now our third week in our little summer series, talking about some of our favorite books of the Bible. And this week, we're going to be talking about our other favorite Christian authors. So we spent some time talking about our favorite books of the New Testament and Old Testament. Now we want to talk about other non-biblical books that have been a blessing to us throughout our lives. And so I think we can just go ahead and jump right in. And so, Andrew, just starting off, let's talk about what are some of your favorite Christian authors? I'm sure, sure it's hard to pick, but let's, let's see what we can do. Oh, it is so difficult. Um, if anybody has walked into my church study, they've seen that there's more than a few books on my bookshelf. A lot of books, yeah. Um, I, I really do. Uh, I love books, and they are my friends. They are companions. I there are different authors who differ, who do different things for me. Um, so I could start by, by mentioning a lady by the name of Jan Karen. Um, she is an American novelist and she's, um, she's written a series of books called the Mitford novels. And they feature this uh, Episcopalian priest, uh, Father Tim Cavanaugh. And uh, it's, it's based in this town called Mitford. Um, which is kind of identified after Blowing Rock, North Carolina. We visited there a couple of years ago. And um, uh, it, it started off as a series of articles that she wrote for a, a town paper. And it quickly became this incredible series. What I love about it is just, it's, it's easy, breezy reading. It's very thoughtful. It's provoking. Um, it's, it's just about being a, a, a parish minister in a small town and what it's like. And uh, it's very real. It's about uh, this Episcopalian priest who's single and he meets a lady and they, uh, they adopt a boy and he has, a, he gets a dog. He struggles with diabetes. He's got all of the drama of church life. Um, Jan Karen just has a way of telling stories that are, are really beautiful. So, very easy to read. Um, a Christian writer who has maybe made me think, who is way ahead of his time, is C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, he, he became a reluctant convert to Christianity, mm-hmm. and his writing is so provocative. He was able to think through all sorts of issues, and he was able to write um, fantasy, and he was able to write um, kind of these stories that actually embedded theology into them in ways that would, that would get you thinking. I find it really interesting that that C.S. Lewis is one of the only sort of outwardly, like obviously Christian authors that seems to have made a really big cultural impact in the non-Christian world. It's, it's very rare, I think, to, to have unbelievers enjoy something as much as, especially Narnia has been. Narnia is huge. I, I watch a, a few people on, on YouTube who I, I would be fair to say are not Christian and who would, you know, their worldview would be pretty atheistic, but yeah, I'll see a Narnia poster on, on the wall, like yeah. a, a map of Narnia. And I just find that fascinating. Lewis has had such a cultural impact far beyond just, just the Christian world. He's a great writer. He's a great thinker. And he was ahead of his time. 
Uh, recently, Timothy Keller passed away, mm-hmm. pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian in New York. Uh, if there's anybody who tried to engage culture in in a way that was winsome, uh, provocative, respectful, gentle, um, yet, he, yeah, he wouldn't be my man on on every single point, but uh, I so appreciated him and how he was thinking. Um, I'll pick up almost anything that another Canadian, Don Carson, D.A. Carson, yep. uh, has written. Uh, he's a New Testament scholar. Uh, funny story. One of the reasons I love Don is uh, my parents had him in our home hmm. uh, for Sunday dinner. Uh, it was my first first year of my first pastorate, and uh, I went home, and uh, Don Carson had been invited over for dinner because he was speaking at a conference and my teenage brothers proceeded to tell the one of the world's most preeminent New Testament scholars how to capture and kill skunks there we go. at the dinner table and um it's just uh, one of one of, he he comes from a, a Christian family in Quebec and he's he's written from uh, commentaries, biblical theology, uh, cultural analysis, pastoral ministry. He's one of the founders of the Gospel Coalition. Um, he's a great man. Um, those, yeah, I'll just start with those, and as we go along, there'll be, there'll be more books that that will come to mind. But those are a couple of individuals who have really, really helped me. I think it's worth also pointing out. You you mentioned something that is is worth uh, making explicit here in this conversation. When we when we're talking about these authors, it's often the case that we maybe don't necessarily agree with absolutely everything right. that, that they've ever said. We we definitely both feel like it's possible to really deeply appreciate the work of a writer, even if maybe theologically we may be uh, not on the same page about certain things. Certainly, yeah primary issues and lots of secondary issues we, we would be, but there are, there are smaller issues that we don't necessarily feel like we need to agree with everything in order to, to really appreciate and be benefited by a, a particular writer or a particular author. And so just as you are listening here uh, to this podcast listener, that's something that I think is, is definitely worth pointing out. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, one of the authors that I've really appreciated more recently is uh, Michael Horton. Michael Horton is a, a professor out in Westminster, California. Uh, so he'd be coming more from, from a Presbyterian perspective. You can take that as you will, listener. But uh, so much to appreciate with Michael Horton. His, uh, he's got a real sort of level-headed clarity of mind, I think. there's He does a lot of writing on sort of cultural issues within the the church. We'll talk more about specific books later, but, and he also has a, I think a really good connection to sort of historic faith and confessionalism that I really appreciate. It's there are lots of, I think, pockets of the, of the church that sometimes don't understand that we are connected to many, many centuries and even millennia of church history and, He's got like a, I think a really good grasp on that, very theologically precise, and he really helps I think the reader to understand the practical outworkings of theology. So he'll talk about systematic theology, he'll talk about sort of specific aspects of theology, but he's also got lots of more practical books as well. So pretty much I think just about anything that Michael Horton has written, I'm typically pretty pretty happy to to pick up and read and recommend 
along those lines also, I've, I've appreciated the writings of Sinclair Ferguson, who would be, I think, from a, from a similar stream uh, in seminary, we had to read some of his books. Uh, his book on the Holy Spirit was a very helpful book. And as well, uh, one book that I think is the one that stands out to me the most is a book called The Whole Christ, which is also a very good one. But we'll, we'll talk more about specific recommendations moving forward. Lastly, I'll, you've sort of jogged my memory of we had a, an author and professor also randomly show up to my parents' house uh, in similar <laughs> ways. Uh, we, we had a, a professor from the seminary that I went and, and that you went to as well. Uh, Dr. Bruce Ware came to speak at the church that I was a part of at the time and he landed in the airport and our senior pastor said, hey, Dr. Ware's here, said to my parents, can you have him over for dinner? Totally out of the blue. They weren't expecting it. Had to whip something together really quick, but Dr. Ware is such a, such a humble man, such a wonderful teacher. And I would, I would recommend pretty much anything that he writes. He's got a very clear and concise and warm way of, of teaching theology that I very much appreciated throughout my time in seminary. Yeah, Bruce Ware, I'll tell one quick story. He was my systematic theology professor and um, uh my students, there are there are moments in seminary that are etched in your brain forever. And one of mine is with Dr. Ware. Um, we had to do our final exam in systematic theology uh, was an oral exam. And we had to sit in his office and myself and one other student, we gave oral answers and then we had to critique each other's answers. Mm. And that was with Dr. Ware sitting on his side of the desk and thus two students sitting on our side. And Boy, I never had to, to do that with him. And I'm, I'm kind of glad. Uh, it, it was one of the most uh, nerve wracking, but joyful experiences. He's a gracious man and he's, yeah. he's written some phenomenal materials yeah. uh, for Christians to consider. Absolutely. And so going back then, you've mentioned some authors, Andrew, uh, we can go back and maybe pick out some particular books. Well, which, mm-hmm. which books of theirs would you say have particularly impacted you? Well, so let's start with Jan Karen. Um, she's, a, she's a novelist. And um, I, what I love about Jan Karen is uh, she just has this writing style that is so personal and warm. Uh, she really just connects everyday life to um, what a small town uh, is like. Um, maybe that wouldn't be for everyone, but um, having pastored in Northern Ontario, uh, I could identify with going to the diner and and there's the certain individuals who are at the diner and uh, you know you bump into certain people in town and they've got their personas and what it's like to be a pastoral figure. If I ever had to teach a class on pastoral theology, uh, I would actually assign her novels mm. because they're a great case study in what is what is pastoral ministry like. Um, and what are all the weird things that go on? There's a lot you don't learn in seminary that only come up once you're <laughs> once you're actually in it. And I'm imagining that book is full of all sorts of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's it's just a fun read. Uh, um, it's just super enjoyable. Um, a Focus on the Family Radio Theater did uh, at home in Medford as uh, um, an audio version mm. in the first book, and it's fantastic. And I'd highly recommend it. Um, I said that different authors do different things for you. And so to say that I've got a favorite author, well, there's favorite authors who, who help me in different ways. Yeah. Um, so for example, 
uh, C.S. Lewis, I love the screw tape letters. Um, we we had a summer book club for a number of years, and this uh, we did um, mere Christianity. But screw tape letters, he does this analysis of um, uh, what is it? What does spiritual temptation look like? And it's fascinating. Um, what what got me with C.S. Lewis is just. Well, well, he he has certain doctrines that I just scratch my head at. Uh, the way that he writes is, um, it's a story with theology in it so mm-hmm. often, and and so as a result of that, um, you're not learning a systematic theology um, text. You're learning theology in terms of how people think and how they act and how they interact, and so that's been wonderful um, for me. Tim Keller. Uh, man, oh man, Tim Keller, uh, from the first time I heard him, I met him when I was in seminary. Um, he is who he is because the guy had a huge name and yet he was as humble as humble could be. He refused to embrace uh, the celebrity mindset. Mm-hmm. And and he inspired me so much in that way that he just wanted to be a faithful pastor and Christian. Um, and... And he really wanted to engage unbelievers and he wanted to do so in a respectful way uh, coming from a small town, Pennsylvania, uh, planting a church then in Manhattan. He really, really had the respect of unbelievers um, and, and he engaged unbelievers in such a way that he got into their worldview and he got into their heads and he got into their thinking and by engaging them, he was able to highlight, well, here's what's good and here's what's problematic. And so he did that for me. Uh, Don Carson, Don is, again, if there's a gracious man, I sat under some of his sermons on the gospel of John uh, back in 1998 in Thunder Bay. And as I listened to him preach, um, he was taking his his work on his commentary and just fleshing it out in sermons um, and what I loved about Don was how he could really take a passage of scripture and he could bring it right into the contemporary situation. Mm-hmm. And for me, whenever he writes on cultural analysis, whether it's um, issues of, of justice or it's issues of um, uh, the modern day church, incredibly helpful. And I've always appreciated him. I appreciate him, especially because as a, as a Canadian, um, fluent in French, gifted man, um, he, he just has walked a humble life and he's, he's, his wife has suffered with cancer and he served her well. Uh, a lot of the projects that he's wanted to get done, he hasn't gotten done. I, I hope that God gives him a long life because I, I hope that uh, he's got a, He's got a commentary on Galatians, on Revelation, on the epistles of John, a biblical theology. They're all under contract. And I'm like, is the guy going to have enough time to live and write all this stuff? I'd love to. Uh, But Don also is just a man who, when he sees issues, uh, he wrote a book called The Intolerance of Tolerance. And he just tries to dissect things from a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And I so appreciate him. So for me, uh, go back to uh, Michael Horton. Of, of all of his books, I think the one that has impacted me the most is a book called Ordinary. This is a, a book that 
many listeners will be familiar with, as I've recommended a number of times. It's Sustainable Faith in a Radical Restless World. And this is a, a book that I think does a really good job of addressing so much of sort of modern Western church culture that is unhelpful and really cuts through so much of that and argues that maybe there's more to Christianity than to following hype or mm-hmm. this sort of emotional on to always on to the next best thing, this sort of radical hyper transformative form of living that is so common. He, he argues that despite the fact that so many Christians are scared to be ordinary, the real power in the Christian life is often found in the most ordinary things. I find, I find that to be a very encouraging, very helpful, very rest inducing thing to read and to talk about. And so I would recommend that book to absolutely anybody. He, he's written some, some other books as well. Yeah, I'll mention one from him. Yep. Uh, Christless Christianity. That was going to be the next one, yeah. Yeah, it's that, uh, of all his books, that was the one that hit me. Yeah. Uh, because he really addresses the problem of the modern evangelical church and how we have this issue of making Christianity this moral religion that's about therapy yeah. and it really distances God from us. And, and for me, that just hit me between the eyes. Absolutely. That's a, another big major book of, of his. He, he comments on the, the modern church and of cultural Christian issues in, in such a good way. Uh, he also has written a book called Pilgrim Theology, Core Doctrines for Christian Disciples, which is one that I can recommend as well. For uh, for Sinclair Ferguson, who I spoke about, uh, I, I mentioned a book called The Whole Christ, and it's kind of an, an interesting book when you first think about it. Not everybody would necessarily gravitate to it when you when you see it. Uh, Whole Christ, the, the subtitle is Legalism, Antinomianism, and Gospel Assurance, Why the Marrow Controversy Still Matters. And this is, uh, he ties, he's talking a lot about an event that happened in church history. And helps us, I think, to see the value of church history today at at a time in the Church of Scotland where there was a a major controversy over the question of must one forsake sin before coming to Christ? And that's a really interesting question. I think there's historically been confusion in our day about a question like that. Does the does the drug addict need to forsake drugs before coming to Christ? It's a, a pretty interesting question if that intrigues you. A book called The Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson is certainly one that I could recommend. Uh, as I mentioned as well, he, he wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, just called The Holy Spirit, which is a, a very good book. A little more on the, the theologically dense side, but I think anybody maybe who's taken a class in theology will probably have read that book. That's a pretty pretty common one. And so Michael Horton, Sinclair Ferguson, uh, for, for Dr. Bruce Ware, I no particular books to me stand out more than the others, but really you could pick up just about anything that, uh, that he wrote. He wrote a book called God's Greater Glory, which is a very common book that we read in, in seminary and uh, one that I could highly 
recommend, but you, you really can't go wrong with with Bruce Ware just he's, about anywhere. Yeah, and he's got a a good book on theology for um, like middle school aged kids. Yeah, big truths for young hearts. That's right. And uh, I I remember uh, he he released that when I was in seminary, and just uh, the excitement that he had about getting into uh, the hands of parents something that could help them. Uh, talk about God with their children. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, Andrew, any any other book recommendations you want to sneak in there uh, before we we sign off for this week? Yeah, I'll mention. Uh, so I, I've already mentioned with uh, with Jan Karen uh, at home in Midford, and I, I I just love her writing in those books. Um, with regards. C.S. Lewis. He's well known for Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, obviously Narnia. He's got a space trilogy that's fascinating to read, mm-hmm. Till We All Have Faces, uh, The Great Divorce, which is a story about going to, to hell. And that's uh, a very provocative book. I don't agree with, with everything in that, but that's helpful. Um, with Tim Keller, I would say uh, Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God, uh, was his first really groundbreaking book. Um, and it's super helpful in terms of thinking through issues. I don't agree with everything in it, but it shows you how he thinks yeah. and how he engages with unbelievers. Um, Colin Hansen has just come out with a biography on Tim Keller. It's called Timothy Keller, His Spiritual and Intellectual Formation. I've just started it. It's a, it's a great, fascinating read. Um, with uh, Don Carson, Don has written... Probably um, the book on being a pastor, and it's just—it's called Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor, and it's it's journal articles that he got from his father, hmm. and um, his father who was pastoring in Sherbrooke, Quebec, and who suffered uh, as evangelical pastors were thrown into prison in the 1960s and 70s. Um, as as just there was opposition to evangelicalism in Canada of all places, where pastors were imprisoned in Canada, uh, just before my lifetime, um, he talks about what is it, what what's been the fruit of a guy who who studied his devotions in Greek and Hebrew every day, uh, was a bivocational pastor, worked a normal job, suffered immensely, worked hard, and yet. Look at look at the fruit that's happening in Quebec right now. And um, Don doesn't say this, but but it's very evident that men like his dad, Tom Carson, were were laying a foundation for ministry um, that that just flourishes today in Quebec. And and we praise God for them. Um, I, I'd say I'd say most of all, just pick up a book and read. Uh, it's it's less about um, getting a favorite author and it's more about just engaging. Um, we need in our day and age to, to not be scrolling on our phones. We need long sustained thinking. Mm. And when you get into a book, page after page after page, it helps you to think in a certain way. And, and Christians are thinkers and we will shape and influence our world as we read. And the more that we read, the more we are informed, the better we think, uh, the better we are to to engage our world with the gospel message. Absolutely. And so with that, we have come to the end of our little three-part summer series talking about our favorite books of the Bible, our favorite Christian authors. We hope that you've enjoyed this maybe slightly more lighthearted, more fun 
summer break. Uh, we will be uh, back with you again next week for maybe the beginning of another series. We don't quite know what that's going to look like yet, but we look forward to having you join us for it. Thank you for listening this week. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>